It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts at cboc.com. Welcome. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lookabaugh, Industrial Organizational Psychology Consultant and Workplace Communication and Negotiation Coach. Also, we have Tom Bradshaw with us, a voice and speech coach and a damn good actor, too. He is the official voice and speech coach for the industrial organizational psychology community. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to our weekly gathering of IOs, HRs, recruiters, and one actor, as we have a hour-long chat on how to make the world of work just a little bit better. Uh, Jeremy, today we're actually going to be looking at developing and implementing competency frameworks for performance management. I have absolutely no idea what that means, so maybe a brief explanation to start with. So in doing in doing all the prep and all the research for this, I, I had to stop myself about five minutes ago and say, what are we really trying to accomplish today? Because it started to get almost into, for this month, for the theme that we have this month, it's, it's highly technical stuff. And I, I thought, what's best for the audience? Because it started to me to feel more like a technical training. So I'm glad I stopped myself. So what we're going to do... We're going we're gonna to get into it, of course, like we always do. We're going to provide a lot of resources. And I have a really good resource that is just, it's full of templates. It's by a best-selling author. And there's also a lot of, of research because, I mean, we could really get into all the technical stuff. We might brush on them like management by objective, uh, behavioral observation scales, and uh, all, all this different stuff. So... The idea today is to look at the performance review process, and we'll go over some very specific competencies. And it's nice because the resource that I'm going to provide, the main resource that we're going to touch upon today, has a model with also templates in terms of, are you is your company a growth company? Is it a mature company? Is it more of a startup? Is it more hourly workers? Is it more like professional oriented? Like you've got a bunch of lawyers or uh, you know consultants. So what are the different competencies involved there? And then we'll t- we'll take a broader view in terms of what is actually needed in order to get everyone on the same page. Well, we will also get in today, which is very important. A lot of the times there's disagreement amongst managers and you have this thing, I forget the exact name for it, but it's it's where if you look at it on a graph, you have more people with the, the fours and the fives and then very few people with the ones and the twos if you're using like your traditional scale. And when in effect, it should look more like a bell curve. So we're going to get into that as well. And we're also going to get into that most annoying thing for everyone involved in the performance review process what differently can we do besides does not meet expectations, meets expectations, because those are sometimes performance killers. So with this resource that I'll that I'll share when we I'll, I'll put everything in the chat, there is a new way to do it in terms of the wording that I really, I really like. So Tom, I'm gonna turn it back over to you because that's what I do. Well, thank you very much, Jeremy. And and now that I get an understanding, I want to 
I want to pull it even further back because, you know, news from the front line, um, performance reviews, they're not done well. Um, <laughs> you know, I've gone through several. I went through one a few months ago and it was, let's sit in the room. Let's both be very uncomfortable. And basically the conversation goes, I think you're doing great. Um, how do you think you're doing? I think I'm doing good. Uh, well, you need anything? No, I think I'm doing good. Okay, well, thank you very much. And that is the performance review. Um, <laughs> a scale of one to five, what are you talking about? Um, I, I mean, I, I'm not sure that's a great way to go anyway, uh, but you actually want the performance review to mean something and to make the organization better. And, and once again, we live in a world where there's a thing called IO psychology and there's all these great smart people who could really help you, but organizations, you know, a lot of them, especially the smaller ones aren't getting the message. And, you know, especially looking at performance reviews, boy, and IO could be helpful. So Jeremy, how do we even like start with performance reviews and, and just getting them out of that scenario of, well, we'll stare at each other and then we'll say that things are good and we'll move on. It's amazing how so many companies are, even with when you look at onboarding, we've, we talked about this a long, long time ago, how onboarding for, for some organizations, it used to be sign these papers, sit in this room, watch this video for five minutes. And it's interesting because I'm guessing there are plenty of companies that, that still do that. It's just one of those things. It's like, if you don't understand it, you're afraid of it. Like, why are we afraid of snakes? We don't understand. How do you move without legs? What I did was I put in the chat one of the, the references because, quite frankly, there's a lot of references. And I just tried to put it in there and it said, your uh, post is too long. So I'm going to have to piecemeal them in there. Uh, but that's the main reference. You can you can buy the book. I think the it, the the book is like it's like 13 bucks. You can also you, you can find the, the PDF free online. I don't exactly know where. But what the uh, the reference is, it's Falcone, Paul Falcone and a gentleman with the last name of Tan. It's called the Performance Appraisal Toolkit, Redesigning Your Performance Review Template to Drive Individual and Organizational Change. And for those of you in the space, Paul Falcone, he's, you know, he's written the like 2,600 things to say during a performance review. He's a best-selling author at times probably 10. This, it, it, this, uh, doc, this book is, it's over 200 pages long, it has everything in it, absolutely everything in it. And I've been working off of this for a number of years now with added research. So let me get back to answering your question, but I wanted to give some background on what we're using. So typically, it is a big thing. And Tom, what you said is right. Hire an IO. Hey, get in touch with CBOC and we'll help you out. That kind of shameless plug, because that's what it really ends up being sometimes. Sometimes there does you you would like that hand-holding and someone to help things make sense because we're not just talking about, okay, here's this static. We've decided we're doing them once a year, twice a year. By the way, quarterly is best, but it's just not feasible. We're doing it once a year, twice a year, and we've got this template and our managers know that they're going to, the, the, the employees are going to get a selfie eval form and then the manager is going to fill it out. But then of course the manager is going to have these questions. Well, what if these guys over here, what if they're getting, giving out fives and I'm not giving out fives, but I'm trying to be accurate. And I give out threes. Does that make me look bad? But then the company said, we can't No, nobody can give out fives because we don't want to pay them for ratings of five. We don't want to give them that salary increase. And we have, always have to say there's room for improvement. Or then you have, uh, it's only due to exceptional circumstances that someone can get a five. So there's all these questions. So then it's like, oh gosh, what do we do? 
And then you have your standard. So what is it? What is it usually? You've got your one through five scale. And it goes from fails to meet expectations, partially meet expectations, meets, exceeds expectations, and then your five, which is superior. So there's a different rating scale in this in this book that I like because of the wording. And they get into exactly why it's worded this way. But you've got on your bottom line, unsuccessful or unacceptable performance, partially successful performance. That would be basically your two. Three is your fully successful or effective performance. We can see how just wording these is different, but they also come with definitions, superior or highly effective performance, and then distinguished performance. The other thing that's important is, and I, I again, this is, I, Tom, I, I got to stop myself for just a half a second. I get this is highly technical stuff, but it's so important. So if you're listening or if you're here, the idea is take some notes, expand your thought, and see where you want to start so that you can be helpful to your company. Because as much as I'm trying to stay away from the technical stuff, it is important because the things that I'm mentioning now are the biggest headaches. There's something called a, it's called a rising string problem, where basically you've got, um, and I'm actually looking at the this graph here, you've got, for example, 41% of the company gets fives. And then you've got 29% of the companies gets fours and then you've got down. So it looks basically like your average, you know, left to right going up. When you look at what should be happening within organizations, consider a, a, gen, a standard bell curve where less than 5% are at that unsuccessful performance. Less than 5% are at that distinguished performance at the very top. And you've got your 50% of your organization gets your fully successful performance, which is in general, your meets expectations. And you've got, I won't get, again, I don't want to get too technical, but think of it as a bell curve. The other thing that's important here, it's really getting everyone on the same page. And that's when you have to have what these authors call roll-up meetings, because you've got to get all the execs and all the, all the, the, the managers in the same room. And to talk about what's going on here, to talk about, hey, we have these definitions. So what does this actually mean? Meaning they can have this conversation around, all right, so if we're giving fives, what does that mean to us? Okay. In in the definitions here, it's like role model status, performed above and beyond, generally recognized as the top among their peer ranking group. So then they're having this, the, the, people that are using this, these rating scales are having these particular conversations. And they, you might even bring in examples within the company of what that looks like. And then you've got your, it, it, the, the reference is so good, this Falcone reference, because it provides these definitions for each one and these descriptors for it. So you're asking Tom, you're saying like, where do we start? Because it's usually uncomfortable And the idea is what needs to be done differently to make it uncomfortable for everyone. And one is make it comfortable. Well, let's take out the word. Let me take out the word comfortable for a second. Make it accurate and effective for the employee. Because I used to say that employees look forward to their performance reviews like it's exciting to them. It's like the Super Bowl. It's their time. But for managers, they don't like it. Some of them hate it because A, it's a lot of extra work. They might have be having conversations with employees that they really haven't been 
having a great relationship or even that great communication with. But how do you get everyone on the same page? A, make it accurate. B, make sure all the managers are on the same page so that they feel confident. C, make sure you're doing your performance reviews at ideally a quarterly basis. Some companies will say, look, we're doing them on a, a, a annual or a, a biannual or a biannual, an annual or a twice a month, twice a year basis. But employees have the option of, of a more informal quarterly because they and, and that's good because that can also show you who are the uh, who are the up and comers. Also, the last thing I'll say is add you've got to add training too. you've got to train the managers train whoever's doing the performance reviews, train them on the process, train them on what does a five look like? What does a four look like? Give them some, maybe some training or some role play on how to actually have the conversation. Then provide a mini training for the employees on what this is, what it's going to look like. Take some of the uncertainty out of it so that it's not just, okay, I'm going to go in here. I don't know what to expect. If I don't hear what I think is accurate, what do I do? Because then you start to incorporate that element of trust by doing so as well. Tom? Yeah. And as, as we've talked before, you know, if you're an organization, are you spending your training dollars wisely? Uh, you know, Once again, maybe an opportunity to invite an IO into your organization to look and see how you've been doing with training so far. Uh, Brendan, let's go to you. So I love this conversation because I'm actually in the process right now of doing a new performance review for a client. So a lot of the steps that Jeremy's talking about is exactly what I'm doing is that on Tuesday, I'm actually doing a training with the managers to, to go over it. And then there's a handout that is associated with that that goes over the, you know, the five, four, three, two, one. It also talks about Raider errors. And then I was also just looking at the book because uh, Linda Ann saved it, but Definitely something that is worth it if you're in performance abuse, compensation, or an IO, or HR, because there's a lot of concepts in here that are extremely important. So if you can see the link in there, I'd definitely click on it because it's pretty awesome. But I did want to talk about uh, what I see a lot of is organizations are using performance reviews because they just need to check a box and get it done with so that the employees stop complaining about it. And in reality... If you were to take the performance review and have your competencies based off of not only your organizational culture, but your business goals, and then using the STAR method to talk about situation, task, uh, and so forth, about how that actually drove the business forward, you would actually have a much more impactful review beyond just a, yeah, they were good. Um, and one of the other things that I did in this performance review is I used a bar scale or a behavioral behavioral anchor rating scale so that when you're looking at a three and the manager's looking at it and they're going, oh, I think this person's a three and it's okay, great. Here's an example of what a three is in this competency. So I have a five point scale for every single competency that tells you a, a quality of work or um one of them is commitment to the organization's goals. I have an example of what a one is, what a two is, what a three is, what a four is, and what a five is. And then the manager has to see which one most closely aligns with that before making the rating. So you can do a lot of this work, but you have to have somebody who has the skills to be able to do these things for you, which is what you're going to have a lot of on this call. But I think that 
when you're having this conversation, it should not just be a check the box. You want to make sure that you're, you are pushing the organization forward in the right direction, that you are meeting your business goals. And then the performance of you is a cultural artifact of your organization. So if it's done wrong and sloppy, it reflects on the organization as such. Well, let me ask you this, Brendan, because you're actually working on the front lines right now. So was this an organization that sort of came to you and went, we need your help? Or was this an organization that you were working with and you went performance review and they bought in? So it's it's an organization that needed help because I think I'm now the third or fourth consultant that's come in there in the last four years. So other people, there's a, there's a lot that needs to get unraveled there, but they were never able to get to the step of let's sit down, let's come up with competencies, let's come up with what you want to accomplish out of this performance review. And I was able to get through all that other stack of things that needed to get handled to get us to this point. And we're at about 10 months in since I started. Wow. So it's taken a little bit of work just to get to this stage of it. But luckily now I was able to set all the steps forward, get get the executive buy-in. Now I'm getting the manager buy-in. And then the employees will just, hey, now I know what I have to do. Now I know what I was doing wrong. And I always caution this because, um, and I'll just bring it up because it's very important. If you have a convert, if, if there's something on a performance review and ideally at least twice a year, at least twice a year, yearly is not going to cut it. But if so, if we go on that twice a year method, if you're bringing up some sort of specific situation about something that somebody did wrong five minutes, five months ago, you already failed as a manager. If they did it wrong five months ago, the time to address it was five months ago. So I think these are very important concepts that as IOs, we need to drive home to managers because I still see them doing it. And they're like, well, this person did this. I worked with one company where the guy wanted to write certain things on a performance review. And I was like, well, when did that happen? Two years ago. I was like, okay, great. Then you should have put it on the review two years ago. You do not put it on the review now. And 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 that's what you get if you hire someone like an IO psychologist who actually knows what they're doing. Um, and you can turn your organization around. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. I too am working with somebody through performance reviews. And I think it's, one thing I want to say first is I think the five-point scale can be a real challenge just because of the structure of it. Too often, you get people when they're not sure, they just give that three, right? And there's not as much granularity as there really needs to be in, in communicating it. It's just too easy. If I'm not sure, I'm just going to give them this because it's in the middle of the road. And so sometimes just even expanding it to a six-point scale can be a little bit more helpful because they have to make a decision. Is it above the line or below the line? So that's that's one comment. Um, I think you can go to, if, you, if you're going to a, a higher level of granularity, I would say just do it in an even number so that you don't get that midpoint that's just too easy for them to default to. So that's that's one comment. And I absolutely, this needs to be done on a quarterly basis and the employee themselves are responsible for part of that process. It is not just the, the manager or leader's responsibility to make sure that that happens. It's your performance review. It's your success. It's your ability to move forward. So take responsibility on the um, January 1st, April 1st, July 1st, October 1st, whatever that is, 
I always had when people did when we did quarterly meetings, I would remind them all to go look at their performance reviews and to see what goals they where they were on their goals so that they could go ahead and schedule that meeting with their manager because it's a mutual responsibility. And it doesn't have to be a full blown performance review. It's just a re- an update on where your progress, right, to make sure that you're progressing. The other thing, too, is making sure that in this is a key piece in organizational alignment and making sure that these uh, that they have solid job descriptions to work for because you from as well, because you can reference performance of your to the job description in your performance standards. So those are just a couple of points. Um, I know that there's a lot of hands up, so I'll let everybody else have a minute. Yeah. And I should say, you know, I'm one of those employees who, you know, I, I love going to my superiors and going, how am I doing? You know, first of all, I want some feedback. I want to improve. I also like to get patted on the back every once in a while, but I often find that, you know, I will walk into someone's office and how am I doing? And they get this look on their face like, oh my God, what has happened? What's gone wrong? What fire has now ignited that you're asking me this question? So it's really uncomfortable on both sides. Uh, Maria, let's go to you. Can I just say something before we move to, in response to that, Tom, sometimes it's just, uh, you get a better response on if you say, what would you like to see me do differently? I will try that. (laughs) See if it improves things. All right, Maria, let's go to you. Hi, it's great to be back. Haven't seen you all for a while. Brendan and and Linda Ann both brought up uh, some of the points that I was going to make, so I won't repeat those. But I think Jeremy also hit on the point. A manager needs to know their employee. And management is a busy job. We don't dispute that for any reason. But a scale isn't the only piece of an evaluation that's important. If there's no narrative or room for narrative in that particular evaluation and goal setting to go with it, then it's all for naught. And I've seen organizations that have had robust evaluations, and then they bring them down just to the scale and, you know, the the narrative is gone. But I think it's also important to remember that you can't evaluate somebody that you don't have some type of relationship with, right? And if we don't make the effort in leadership to scale whatever knowledge we need to gather, then, you know, to someone's point here, you know, having the evaluate the employee be empowered to share their activities with leadership so that those can be noted and not be afraid, you know, to to be looked upon as trying to step on someone's toes, trying to build themselves up so that they can take somebody else's job. But it does it is an organizational, departmental, divisional partnership. And I think, you know, we always talk about the biannual or annual review. But the fact of the matter is it's a day-to-day activity. And it's a it's a culmination of all of those activities together. And to Brendan's point, nothing should ever be a surprise on an evaluation, ever. If you haven't talked to, to the employee about it within the year, you should not be bringing it up on the evaluation. You can make general statements to how you think a, a person may achieve goals, but you should never bring those things up in an annual evaluation because it could actually backfire. And if you have an employee that's smart enough to grieve you know, or to not want to sign an evaluation because they have no, you have no proof of what you're talking about, then it it could be problematic for the institution. So to Tom's point, you know, get an IO, have someone who's, you know, vested in helping you help themselves. But it's really important that, that we remember that an annual review is 
a review of someone who knows the work that you're doing so that you can make sure that you not only evaluate them properly, but help them grow to the next level properly. Or we also have to remember that annual review can be used if that employee either goes downhill or doesn't meet those goals. And you have documentation throughout the year so that you, if you have to take corrective action, you do so without any problems. A good manager documents so well that there's never room for a grievance. Yeah, very well said. Uh, Lee, let's go to you next. And Jeremy, we're going to go off to you. Thanks. I mean, I want to start off, Tom, by saying you're doing a great job. So I just wanted to to put that out there. So, Tom, I'm actually going to get ahead of a question you normally ask me. So uh, in in answer to your unspoken question, the Navy's evaluation system sucks. It's kind of an interesting thing because on the one hand, the evaluation form has parameters, which is great because it tells you it says, okay, here are the things in this category that you should be aiming for. And it gives you the, you know, barely making it, making it, you know, gives you this kind of a scale to, to grade on. So that's that's positive. But then the majority of it is based on a write-up, which is most of the time done by the person themselves and then cleaned up by the manager. And then uh, to make it all even better, they take everybody in the same specialty or not even the same specialty, the, the, same, the same rank and they compare them across the organization. So like... I was an information system technician. I was being compared to uh, a logistics specialist because, you know, I mean, we're all the same, right? Uh, And then ranking people. So, and and people out there listening, don't rank your people. Just don't. So, uh, yeah, don't don't do like that. But as far as in the civilian world, you know, the important things are the expectations. Like Linda Ann said about the, the job, you know, what is your duties? What is the job description? What are you supposed to be doing? Uh, and then goals. So what am I actually rating you against? It shouldn't just be my opinion. Oh, yeah, Jeremy's doing a great job. Boom. But at what? So I need to be able to have a measure. You know, and, and, you know, you can go beyond a one to five, one to six, whatever. But what am I comparing it against? I should be comparing against previous performance. Was there an improvement? What are you supposed to be doing? So are you doing that? And are you going beyond that? Because, I mean, that should be taken into account as well. And then what are your goals? How are you doing against your goals? Now, of course, like in my current organization, we set personal and professional goals. So when I sit down with my with my boss, he's not going to rate me on my personal goals. He's going to do what he can to facilitate me getting those goals accomplished. What he's going to rate me on is how I'm doing towards organizational goals. And so, you know, it's important to do that because if you have a, a an employee that you said, hey, you know, I want to go back to school. Well, did you go back to school this year? No. Okay, mark that down. Well, you know, that's not really very motivating. Let's not do that. You know, and, and I totally agree with everybody who said this should be done, at, you know, at least quarterly. You should be sitting kind of talking to people. The Navy's thing is you have a midterm counseling, which is basically coaching, and then you have a yearly uh, evaluation. Some people are doing it. Some people are not. Uh, I don't think that's often enough. You know, I always did at least a quarterly coaching session, and I think that that's what you should do with your people. You know, as we've said, nothing should be a surprise on an evaluation, because if it is, it's not their failure, it's yours. So you definitely don't want to do that. But like, you know, my my team lead, he was he was looking to discipline someone for, for a failure. And I asked him if he had communicated what the expectation was and he had not thought of that. So I'm like, well, how can you tell him he's not meeting expectations? If he doesn't know what those expectations are, 
So, so first, let's go back and let's communicate expectations, and then we start fresh slate. And then if he doesn't meet them in the future, we will document the fact that he did not meet them. Because I can't hold him accountable for something I didn't tell him, or at least I shouldn't, although I've seen it many times. I, I like I like the way you, you look at this, Lee, but it puts two things in my head. First of all, you got to actually care. Like, you've got to care about your employees. you got to care about you know, uh, their development, where they're going. I find most organizations use performance reviews as a way to beat employees slightly to encourage them to do better work because if they don't, they might lose their job. I mean, that's the way that I see most often performance reviews being used. Yeah, and I'm, I'm you know. <laughs> yeah, need- you know, it's, it's the old cliche that beatings will continue until morale improves. Yeah. <laughs> and uh and it's absolutely, you know, it's the whole thing with more catching more flies with honey than vinegar and, and you know, using the, the carrot instead of the stick. I mean, you really if you go into if we go into the psychology part of I.O., you look at the difference between, you know, positive and negative reinforcement and positive and negative punishment. They both can elicit the reaction that you want. One is just going to be a little more long term and more likely to get a little bit more buy in from the person in question. So. Yeah, you definitely can. And the problem is, is we don't train. We're going to go back to this. We talked about this so many times. We don't train our managers. We don't train them to lead. We don't train them. They know how to manage the things. They don't know how to manage the people. They don't know how to lead. And we don't train them how to actually communicate with their people, to to manage those expectations and to properly evaluate how someone is doing against them and to communicate that to the person. And uh, so... A lot of times the organization is failing the managers before the managers are failing people. Well, I think, off <laughs> like, I think Work Cookie should be the number one podcast in the C-suite. I think <laughs> that's really where the next message needs to get. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. We'll be right back after this break. Please subscribe to the podcast because it helps us out and it helps the field of I.O. And if you are in or getting into the industrial organizational psychology field and you feel a little lost in the crowd, you're looking for support to jumpstart your career, blaze your I.O. path, and maybe get the answers that your degree program never gave you about what it's actually like to work as an I.O. psych practitioner, check out CBOC's I.O. Career Pathfinder membership at cboc.com. If you're a more established I.O. practitioner, check out our expert membership to showcase your expertise, build your brand, and be part of our initiatives. Do you lead a university's I.O. or applied I.O. psychology program? Go to cboc.com, get in touch to partner with us to build your program's brand and get solid real-world support for your students. Let us do the heavy lifting for their engagement and experiences. And businesses, get in touch. We've got the bank of experts you need for coaching, consultation, and program development and execution. Welcome back. You're listening to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. Jeremy, let's go back to you. Lee mentioned exactly what are we what are we measuring, and that's where I'm going to get into the meat of some of the actual competencies. That's this is why I like this Falcone book so much because it'll go through. It, it's it's not just static for every company. It's are you a startup company like I mentioned before, a growth company, mature, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to give a couple examples of how if you're a company how do you choose the model and they provide templates in the book but it's not to say that you have to use those exact competencies they they will vary based on exactly where your company is 
what type of your of company, what your company objectives are, and of course you you know core values that should be standard in in all of these. So it'll vary a little bit. But for example, you've got this startup or, re, or renewal company where it's either a startup or it's a mature company looking to more or less reinvent themselves. When you look at this, the performance expectations, if you use this these types of competencies and the scale that's suggested for this, the it's a higher level of, of performance expectations because you're really, the company is redefining and raising the bar so that they can have more opportunities and a higher level of productivity that's needed in, in that particular type of company, whether they're starting up or renewing. And just to give an example of some of the exact competencies suggested for this, you've got creativity and innovation, culture and values, problem-solving skills with results orientation, uh, strategy and critical thinking, to name a few. And there's you know a couple more. When you look at the template for a growth company, this is your company that's you're you're no longer in the startup phase. You're doing pretty good in, in terms of profitability. You want to continue to look for opportunities, but you're also now you're looking into creating guidelines and what are the policies and getting communication flowing in the right direction. So that's what this template this particular template and these are, are used for. So some of the example competencies here are customer-centric, teamwork and leadership, professional and technical knowledge, and creativity and innovation, to name some of the top ones. And there's a couple more. Again, the idea is take a look at your company and what, what phase that you're in, because what are the particular competencies? And in this, in, in this book, they provide, so like I say, Creativity and innovation. Well, they provide definitions, examples, everything for that. So it's not just what is it. They provide everything there in terms of what they found with the research and in, in executing these things. I want to move to a mature company. So this is your, you know, you've got stable sales. You're instead of being on the more offense, like a startup or a growth company, you're starting to do more defensive posturing and you're looking more at policy orientation, cost control, documenting, those kinds of things. So the performance competencies here are corporate image, teamwork, professional development, and communication. You can see those three are all, those top four are all different than the other types of companies. Then you've got, next you have a model for hourly or a union workforce emphasis. This is where you're looking at basic expectations, rounding out key performance areas, a uh, largely hourly workforce when you're looking at compliance, policy, timekeeping, professional conduct, dress code, those kinds of things. So the top competencies here to measure on for during performance appraisals, you've got customer focus, teamwork, quality, uh, efficiency, flexibility, and, and others. But we can see how they're starting to change and for good reason. The other model, and there's actually six, so this one and then another one. So then you have your exempt and your professional workforce. This is what I was talking about. Is your company mainly in like research or legal or finance, where it's more of a professional workforce all around? This These kinds of jobs require different emotional intelligence, soft skills. You're looking at more real-life example models when you're doing the performance appraisals. So here you can see the top, totally different. Judgment, decision making, job knowledge, and then you've got innovation and flexibility, initiative, teamwork, and there are a couple others. 
The last one is senior executive focus. So this is where you're looking at your C-suite. This is where you have that the scales are thrown out as an example of what can be done. And it's more narrative because you're looking at crafting an evaluation form for these for these VPs and higher up. And you notice that this is more on strategy. So you move it back to the ones that we talked about previously. You're looking at just tactical, like for the hourly workers, where here you have to have a combination of tactical and strategic level considerations. So here the top some of the top competency areas are strategy and vision, financial management, results-oriented leadership, and operating skills. Again, markedly different than any of the uh, previous five. So in going back to your one of your original questions, Tom, where do we start? First, you start by saying, where's our company at, at this very moment, knowing that you can, in due time, you're going to have to redo the your evaluation a little bit, but it's not that hard to move. So don't, some people might say, look, well, I just want to choose one. And I want to stick with it for the next 10 years. You can do that. It's probably not going to be a good idea because you want to have like, what are the competencies that you want to measure to take your company to that next phase or make sure it's solid in the phase that it's in. And it's really not that hard if you're going to change from your startup competencies, you just change your competencies on the form and you send out, basically you just send out a different form. I also want to mention, Tom, this goes back to, there's a lot here. And what do these competencies mean? And what are the ones that are perfect for, for our company? And how do you how do you look at different psychological indicators on the back end? Tom, yes, that goes to what you keep saying, hire an IO, because there's also a lot of research that needs to be done on, like Brendan was talking about, um, like your MBO, like your management by objectives. And there's a lot of research to be done. I threw some other references up in the up in the chat. And all these references, by the way, will be in the show notes. So if you're hitting the podcast, just check on the, the description of it and you can see all the references. Most of them this week have clickable links, but you have you have studies that show what's better in which situation. So you have your behavioral observation scales, your behavioral anchored rating scales, you have your graphic rating scales, and you have your management by objective. So there's a lot going on here, but you can find the research. And I'm looking at some of the, some of the research I did in the notes that I took, where in terms of goal uh, observation, the radius, radius perception of the goal, and in radius satisfaction, GRS was superior to bars, or BOS was superior to bars in terms of a radius perception of the goals in terms of the exact specific criteria. So th- there's a lot of weeds in here, uh, but it's important that the time is taken and the care is taken to make sure that, look, these are the competencies we want to evaluate. These are the scales that we are going to use and that we're also providing insight, vision, reducing uncertainty, and providing the training, if you want to call it, for those who are not only giving, doing the ratings, but also receiving. And let's face it, if you're giving a rating, you're also receiving one from your higher up. So it it's it's it doesn't go on wasted time, Tom. Let's certainly hope not. Uh, lots of hands up, Aaron. Let's go to you. All right, yeah. Talking about the competencies, I mean, we mentioned earlier. Hey, you know, this might get a little high level. There's a lot of multifaceted pieces, a lot of things that we're juggling, and we might fall into the weeds, like Jeremy said. So I'd like to take the time actually to circle back just slightly and recap a little bit. Um, when I came into this, I thought, okay, as a manager, you know, I know that this is going to get very, there's going to be a lot of plates in the air, going to be juggling a lot. So 
what is the lowest hanging fruit to look at, to focus on as me as a middle manager or a senior manager or somebody who's just not quite at the competencies level of looking at things in vision, in the vision. And one of the first things I look at is language. That's what we had talked about a little bit in the sense of how are you talking about these performance reviews? Tom, you mentioned your uh, experience with this of, hey, you doing well? Yeah, I'm doing pretty well. How about you? Pretty good. Okay, that's it. Well, to me, that's that's not a performance review, right? And it makes me think of this quote. Um, I think my boss had mentioned it to me and I took it to heart and I just, just formalized it. But it's the concept of if you have a list of goals and the word continue or keep doing is on that list of goals, that's not a goal, that's a habit. And you don't need to check in with habits. You just need to check in when you drop that habit. It's kind of like the gym. Okay, I just have to go to the gym. But if you have the goal of you know doing a handstand, then powerlifting or juggling how much weight you have instead of your body weight is gonna go towards a different direction. And that circles us back to the competencies. The second thing we had mentioned is frequency, of course, is having this conversation more often. And then lastly, providing those tools, that gap, you know, and it all comes back down to creating an environment where this performance review is a performance conversation. So one thought with that is, as Linda Ann had mentioned, the uh, rater and the person being reviewed both have an obligation to contribute to this. So with performance review, you could have a self-report. You know, if I have a five for myself and somebody else has a three, that alone prompts a conversation as to, oh, what's going on? And that could reveal and define some hidden expectations behind the scenes as well. And additionally, Linda Ann mentioning open-ended questions, having, hey, what can I do to be uh, be better and reach these goals, as opposed to, you didn't reach this because of this, this, and this. It, it creates that conversation once again. And having that frequency of those conversations reduces those surprises as well. So I think ultimately, if you are a manager looking at, hey, what's the lowest hanging fruit? Language. How are we talking about this? And then frequency. How often is it coming up in many different forms? Yeah. Communication, number one, if you don't got it, <laughs> you ain't getting it. Uh, Linda Ann, let's go to you. Yeah, Aaron is exactly right. When we when I have people do their self-review and then the, the leader or the manager is doing their piece of the, the performance review, there's parts of the performance reviews that are identical. And I look for the rating and I teach them that the purpose of that comparison is to identify where there's a gap in the understanding for that particular standard. So if you've got yourself as a, a, a five and your your manager has you as a three, that's a cause for conversation, right? And the, you need to get on the same page on that particular item. So that's really the, the, the real purpose of doing those pieces. And to what Maria said earlier, the narrative is is also just as critical asking for that feedback on you know are you doing the kinds of things that you like or what training have you re not received that you need in order to perform well those kinds of narratives are extremely important and i have them set up as half rating half narrative and when you structure your performance review well it helps the manager because it creates that script and takes away some of that discomfort so that you understand what you're going to be talking about. 
The manager has already seen your feedback and they should be utilizing that in the process of completing their piece and their form. So it's a, it's a progressive type of process. And often in an organization, I will sit in or ask them if they're okay with me actually sitting in in the performance reviews so that they can, I can model for them how to conduct that conversation, how to, um, in addition to some training, but you can give anybody <clears throat> that hour of training or whatever, and it doesn't always translate to how they conduct themselves in, in a situation. So I usually would sit down and, and be involved in the actual performance reviews so that I could coach both sides through the process. And then once they're comfortable with it, their behaviors have changed. The other thing too is, is it's really important for this to be a progressive forward-looking process. So one of the things that I've set up in, in organizations is that you understand, and sometimes this is done in the industry, they'll set up with the different levels are for you so that you know a level one person in this particular industry and what's the level two expectation level three and and so forth and you can use them to help people understand what's it going to take for me to get to that next level and use that as that forward-looking progression i I think you just hit on cboc needs to do a workshop on how to actually conduct a performance review jeremy Um, right the (laughs) <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Linda. The other thing that I that I would just wanted to make before we we close out this went so fast um, is the challenge for the organizational size, right? We all when I've and, and I was doing the research as, as well, and there's this can be done to do be do this well. This is a really comprehensive um, process. However, you have two challenges within most organizations. One, they don't have the internal expertise, nor do the managers have the interest in doing this on a very detailed level. And my experience has been that I get a lot of pushback. Once it gets past a certain two pages or whatever, they're like, I'm, this is too much. And so we have to make figure out what that middle ground is, is how accurate can we make it? How effective can we make it that's palatable for our people to use? Yeah, and I think you just hit on something that's really important for all organizations is you have an HR professional. You might now need to bring an IO professional in to work with them because they make a dynamic team uh, <laughs> and they can set you on the right path. Noel, thanks for hanging on so long. Let's go to you. Yes, I've been listening uh, quite closely to the, the concept of you know having transparent processes around performance management procedures. That's very key as well to, because there's a, a trend of managers also then perhaps using performance reviews as a way as a weapon against employees that don't like per se if the if the process is not uh, done procedurally and you know data driven from the beginning of the year I, I tend to consider the process starting at the beginning of the year when you allow employees to consent to what goals they have to reach you know the organizational goals and also create means to create a peer review mechanism as well throughout the process especially towards the media reviews or the end of year reviews where even peers can 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 give feedback on how you know you work well as a team because also trying to avoid the creation of a super chicken culture percentage of employees who work at the expense of others you know so there's those different percentages you should consider you know in, in work culture environments where you know because of performance reviews someone wants to especially where you have to work as a team you know and you're handing over work to another department how do you collaborate with them? How do you work together closely with them? That should be, you know, a measure as well in, in, in performance reviews as opposed to, okay, a linear relationship between you and the company alone. And also creating this 
um, culture of also reflecting on unconscious biases that maybe, you know, occur throughout the year, you know, through managers as well, who may then use that to then, okay, performance reviews is now time to get rid of a dead weight. Let me, I should just score this person a three, you know, because I don't like this person. If it's not done, you know, demo, I, I, I tend to use the term democratizing the process whereby, okay, peers review each other, then you review your manager as well, and the manager reviews you. So it's, it's a cyclical process, continuous throughout the year, where you reflect on goals you set and agreed on at the beginning of the year to prevent a culture of, you know, a linear, almost, you know, one-way relationship between you and the company. And, you know, that you're, you're just oh, reflecting on marks you receive, you know, for, 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 for random criteria. Um, so, yeah, it also creates a culture of fairness and object- objectivity, I guess, you know, if you make it more data-driven and democratize the process and safeguards against biases and, and discrimination, certainly in the long run, because it creates a culture of uh, reflecting on teamwork, collaboration, and also uh, a sense of ownership of the process and, and, and the idea that performance reviews are not just a process that happens in the middle of the end of the year, but a continuous process, a documenting of a process that happens throughout the year. And then there's no surprise um, marks or indicators that just pop up at the end of, 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 of uh, at the performance review and then as a means to, 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 as a weapon against you as an employee or as a way of, 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 of getting rid of certain people in the company, then they use performance reviews. So it's a trend I'm seeing, like especially in tech, you know, where there's an, there's an urge to lay off people, you know, companies may then use it to mask uh, layoffs and you know d- decide to then use that to weaponize and say okay we want to get rid of this department because it's performing well yes yes let's go to the performance reviews we don't actually don't need this team and yeah a, a very <laughs> a very important you know marker then you know a click culture and companies that may occur whereby a click comes together and says okay we're actually going to get rid of another click uh let us come together and you know so because of the, unco- the, co- the conscious and unconscious biases that, that, that occurred at, you know, at, at, at in, in, within work cultures. So it's, it's, a, it's a very, I think, reflecting on democratizing the process more going forward, as opposed to then saying, okay, um, yes, training is important. As a strategy designer, I also like, I like the concept of having to educate, you know, IOs, HRs, and managers to work together to create clear frameworks from the beginning, but also to make the rest of the company aware of their goals from the beginning of the process. So that the performance review is not a tick box or a weapon or yeah or um, a feature used to get rid of certain people in the company. Yeah, I know that there there are organizations out there who use performance reviews to get rid of dead weight, and they're like, there's got to be a certain percentage of people. We've got to have a certain percentage of turnover, so they will actually, you know. The bottom 10%, they're gone. Um, and that's probably not the reason you're doing a performance review. Uh, Rich, let's go to you. Just real quick about, uh, you know, just trying to think this through on a documentation side of things, because I think you're right. I think that that helps to put everybody on a, I can't say a level plane because it's, there's, there's still, there's still some degree of power, you know, above you. But, uh, you know, I think when you have, when you allow the, the employee to have that input into the uh, both because they're incumbent employees, the industrial part of the task-based a job analysis part of you know what they're being measured against, and ha- let them have that KSAO you know the competency modeling that that is the O side of things right 
when you when you allow them to have some input into that whole process i think you really start to you know kind of level that playing field and and so you there's uh psyop and charm i put it in the notes there but you know they have a white papers that series that they did and one of the, the one of the things is uh you know doing competency models uh and uh you know there's a there's a documenting the public version which uh, again you know having some of that you know it's more than just the job description but it's something that that is viewed by all and 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 everybody has uh you know has some degree of let, let me put it this way it's 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 more of a fluid document right that can be that can be changed and altered and has a change history and all that stuff and then there's also this deeper second type of document that's a lot more technical and and that type of thing that that should be stored by management but still transparent i mean you you know you still have to have access to it um i guess what i'm really saying is like having that documentation and having everybody prior to whether it's a annual biannual or quarterly or ongoing which i would i i aspire to do that or uh, as the ongoing performance review uh but for everybody to know you know what what's expected of them from that task-based part but also you know what are those soft skills and the those other competencies and 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 really having those things documented and agreed upon you know like if i'm if i'm engaged in a consulting agreement or a contractor agreement or whatever you know i i there are certain things that are expected of me you know that i need to live up to so we, we have that kind of psychological contract within the organization too of you know this is what this is what is expected of me and this is how i'm expected to behave and these are the uh you know the characteristics that you know i expect of you and you expect of me so that's yeah and once again better communication you know you you this shouldn't be sacred knowledge it's not like we're trying to trick anybody uh you know share the information and that will help just, you know, and as you say, Rich, you know, if, if we're talking about, you know, my job, I'd like to be involved in that discussion. <laughs> you know, why leave me in the dark about that? Um, Jeremy, I want to go back to you because this conversation has reminded me of our days with VCM and talking to people like Liam Martin from Time Doctor, Glenn Gaudet from Gagalamp, you know, people who really seem to get it right, where they've got great relationships with their employees. It doesn't mean that they're not doing evaluations. And sometimes either someone is asked to leave the organization or they go, you're not in the right position. And they actually move them to a position which makes them, you know, better and happier. They're more skilled to, but should we be looking, you know, they're both remote only companies. You know, they, I think they've got a physical location because they have to, but they're online companies should we be looking at online companies, especially those that, that are doing it right and having success, as sort of a model of what the rest of us should be doing? Oh, I would say well, it, it, de- it de- uh, You could say it. It depends. <laughs> it does. I mean, it totally depends on if they're doing things right or not, because we know how how you know one thing doesn't transition to the other. I mean, I would say just like my my answer would be if you're if you're if you're partially or fully remote then yeah maybe see what other partially the successful partially or fully remote companies are doing and then the other way around for that so i'm going to say it depends on that one i'll also say 
Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's pretty good. Good, <laughs> thanks, Tom, for that question. Well, you're very welcome. Well, I, 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 uh, I try not to go the well. It depends, or it's situational, but I guess you have to at some point. Well, so, one thing I've, I was going to say one thing I've really noticed with you know these successful online organizations that are doing it right is their communication with their employees is spectacular. Like they've really got communication down. And then I then I wonder how like how do we ever how do we know which companies are doing it right because we have I mean of course you've got different things out you got like Glassdoor people can respond and give ratings right. and that kind of stuff so I think that would be a topic for a whole another question because there are probably a lot of companies say they're doing it right but but are they so good good topic two things and then I'm going to share Aaron uh, really nailed this thing in the chat here. But two things quick, we have our August uh, experience, three-day experience coming up for IOs. Anyone interested in an IO, if you're an IO student, if you're an IO, if you're interested in what IO can do for your company, free three-day experience. We're, we're going to also meet uh, on Saturday the 12th. We're going to do a meetup at a really fun place in uh, the Maryland, D.C. area. So check out cbock.com slash events for that. Chock full of stuff. Next, if you are if you're a recruiter and you're or a hiring manager and you're looking for IO talent and you want in early, go to the contact page and just contact us at, at CBOC. Go to the website. We are 100% ready for launch, but we're not ready to do the launch yet of a really interesting and engaging way for companies to hire and find IO talent. It's unlike anything that we know of and we're super excited to offer it so we just need to make sure as with everything because we're ios we want to make sure we get it right with the the launch and everything to go out first but we're completely ready so if you're recruiting for io talent get in touch with us we'll let you in on it right away uh next aaron i, I just kept thinking and thinking and thinking he mentioned uh he was bouncing off of what lee said about managers being task-based leaders being task-based, but should be people-focused, right? So do you have your eye on the task or eye on the people? Eye on the people? And Aaron said, a manager shifting to a leader needs competent, developed people, so they delegate the tasks so that they, the manager turned leader, can focus more on people development. What a cycle. And it is a cycle. And I, I was thinking about this. If you're constantly focused on the task, are you really developing your people? And I thought, what if you have a kid trying to tie their shoe? If you continue to tie it for them, they're not going to learn how to tie their shoe. But if you focus on the kid, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the child might get frustrated. I can't make this loop. Hey, remember that bunny we saw outside? Maybe remember the shape of the ears? How about you make a bunny ear? Hey, remember that time you tied your brother up to a tree and hit him with a squirt gun? Think about that knot you used. Whatever it is, and you get that kid competent, you get, you get the child excited, and you get them to learn to tie the shoe, then he that child is competent and developed so that's kind of the idea when we continue to focus on tying all of our employees shoes instead of developing them so that they can do the tasks because then your job as a leader is to be able to delegate effectively so that you can continue to focus on people development therefore you need people that are competent and skilled and you focus on them rather than the micromanaging aspect so Thanks, Aaron. That uh, that 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 took me for a little a ride there, a little bunny loop. Tom, I guess that's 
it almost you mentioned you've mentioned the conference and that is less than a month i think away now so uh, if you don't have your free ticket make sure you go and get there spread the word we want to fill those rooms Uh, but let's talk a little bit about what's happening next thursday yes next thursday tom do you know yes we're we're going to be talking about implementing workforce analytics and data-driven decision making in hr lindan in hr (laughs) great another non-technical thing to talk about (laughs) But of course, we'll try to make it as as engaging as possible. I do believe Destiny will be uh, with Tom leading that particular one next week. So join us next week for that. And of course, every Thursday at 12, they are all open mic. So everyone can feel free to chime in. And by the way, if you do chime in, you can always get the link to the podcast, put it on LinkedIn in your featured in section, give you a little uh, social media type boost where it's like, hey, contributor, here's me. Here's me showing my stuff. It's great. Tom, anything don't, else? Yeah, don't forget that Lee has his ongoing pop-ups. Lee, where can we find out about that? Uh, well, I did drop I dropped the link to the uh, LinkedIn event in the chat earlier. Uh, I do post that every week on LinkedIn. I post something, whether we're having it or not, I post something. And then uh, usually it is on Thursday and it will be this evening at uh, 6.30 Eastern, translated to your respective time zones. And uh, we'll be going for two or three hours and uh, just getting to know each other better. And if you're not uh, if you're not listening live, if you're listening to the podcast, you can find Lee Croson on LinkedIn and find out that information. Uh, Dr. Martha is not with us today, but you can find her with her own podcast and you can find her on YouTube as well. IO psychologists are changing the world uh, one podcast at a time. I like to say, you know, it used to be uh, if you want to be perceived as an expert, write a book. I think it's becoming, if you want to be perceived an expert, start a podcast, because uh, I'm lucky enough to meet with all these wonderful experts every single week, including you, Dr. Jeremy. And uh, that is it for me. Very good. Guess we'll count out. Beautiful as always. See everyone next week. Five, four, three, two, and one. Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? At seabock.com.